Well, good morning. I believe everything is working. Let me know if it's not. I have my communication device here. It says it says we are on. Everything is coming up to speed. It's good to know. I have new hardware this week, so there's always that if. Okay, is it all going? And theoretically, it should. And apparently it is well good morning i am pastor nelson associate pastor at tower view baptist church in kansas city missouri and i see comments that says everything is working and i assume that means you can hear me um so i'm here in kansas city missouri on a dark and cloudy morning pray that the rain holds away till after church at least um, we need to um we need rain we don't live in a desert. We like rain, um, but we just don't want it to disrupt our service since part of our service is outside. So this is your Sunday school lesson for Sunday, September 27th, 2020. And we're in the book, we're getting through the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 23 is where we'll be today. If you have the um, lesson plan, it's session four. That's from the Southern Baptist or from Lifeway, Explore the Bible series. Is what we're going through. And we're in chapter 23 today, session four, lesson four, however you want to word those things. And so if you want to get in contact, if you want to find out more about Tower View Baptist Church, you can check out our website at towerviewkc.com. You can check out our Facebook page, which if you're watching this live, you're, you're there. Um, Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri, lest you be confused with the Tower View Baptist Church that's in Illinois. Uh, so thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and let's um, start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you for all the blessings that you provide, Lord. We thank you for your word that is eloquent and well-spoken. Your servant may not be eloquent or well-spoken, he may stutter and stammer and have other odd mannerisms, but you are the mighty God. You are the holy God. And you used broken servants, Lord, for your service. And so we just thank you and praise you for all the things that you provide. Help us as we study your word this morning, Lord, in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, here we are. So last week, our lesson was in Isaiah chapter 7. Now, when you're doing a 13-week study on a book with 66 chapters... You, you will not be able to, the, the study plan will not be able to go through every chapter, every verse. But that doesn't mean you can't read them during the week. I can't read them in this, you know, less than one hour video go through that much. But you can read them throughout the week. And there's nothing to stop you from reading all the scriptures that's in between the lessons. And so this last week, I just kind of perused through um the, the uh, verses, the chapters and verses in between from chapter 7 to chapter 23. And I just want to pull out some of the highlights that we go through. And so in Isaiah chapter 8, if you look down in verse 11, this is, Isaiah is talking, and he says this in, in, in 8.11. He says, For this is what the Lord said to me. So this is something that God said to him personally, and not necessarily in a sermon for, for to preach to everybody. But the Lord God said to me, with great power, 
to keep me from going the, the way of this people. And this people, they were, they were falling away from God. They weren't following him anymore. And so God said, Isaiah, in order for you to stay away from going away of all the other people, here, I got something to tell you. Verse 12, Isaiah 8, 12, it says, Do not call everything a conspiracy these people say is a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he is to be feared. Only he should be held in awe. Isaiah, God said, Isaiah, don't worry about all these conspiracies that people have, these conspiracy theories. Trust in God only. Now, do we have any conspiracy theories going around and around today? There were a few. Are they new? No. They were conspiracy theories back in the 1990s when I was listening to Rush Limbaugh every day. They were conspiracy theories back in the 60s on who killed JFK. They were conspiracy theories back before that. Um, they're not new. They're not just to America. There have always been conspiracy theories. Sometimes conspiracy theories are correct. That's not the point. The point is, don't make your life about conspiracy theories. The point is, trust God for the future, not conspiracy theories, not politics. Trust God for the future. That doesn't mean you don't vote. Yes, you vote. Yes, you research the candidates. Yes, you vote for the most godly candidate. That's not always an easy thing either. But don't trust in the politics. Trust in God for the future. And that's what Isaiah, God told Isaiah in chapter 8. If you look at chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Nevertheless, the gloom of this distressed land will not be like the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to the Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness will see it, have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. And this is a prophecy. This was quoted in the New Testament. I believe in Matthew. It's quoted, Zebulon and Naphtali, those are part of the ten tribes of Israel that was destroyed by the Assyrians, or will be destroyed by the Assyrians when this was written. And God said, no, but they're, they're destroyed and, it's, and they're in darkness. But in the future, they will see a great light. What is that great light? The Messiah, Jesus Christ. He comes. And where does he preach? He preaches around the Sea of Galilee, the city of Nazareth and Capernaum. And that is in the land of Naphtali and Zebulun. And so they got to see most of the, of the uh, time that Jesus was on earth was in that area. And so you see prophecy that's quoted in the New Testament as you read through Isaiah. You go to Isaiah chapter 11, and it's all prophecy. 11.1 1 says, Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots, and will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And as you read through all of chapter 11, it's all prophecy. Some of it was about Jesus at the time he came. Some of it was about Jesus in more future. That hasn't happened yet. Maybe. We're not sure. It's hard to tell with some of these prophecies. But here, it says a stump. We read previously about a stump. Here's that stump again. We read previously about a branch. Here's that branch. Jesus is the branch that grows from the supposedly dead stump of Israel. And then it talks about who Jesus is and what he will be. And so 
That's chapter 11. It's prophecy on Jesus. Um, in chapter 14, in verse 12 to 15, if you have a King James Version, it talks about, in, chapter, in verse 12, it, it's... Gaboom. Um, hmm, let me fix that. Um, so that don't make that noise again. Um, nope, can't do that. Wow. Okay. Um, it says, Shining morning star, how you have fallen from the heavens, you destroyer of nations, you have been cut down to the ground. If you have a King James, it says Lucifer. My translation says, Shining morning star, which is what Lucifer means. It, that Lucifer translated. And so it's about the king of Babylon. And some take that to be um, about Satan, which it may, may be. Uh, but that's there. That's in the, one of the scriptures that we're not studying in the lesson plan. You go to chapter 20. And it's a chapter 20. is a short chapter. It's only six verses. Remember, chapter and verse has nothing to do, or not scripture. That's just, we've added that. But it's a short excerpt of a time when Isaiah preached and it says that he was going around stripped and barefoot for three years. And that was a sermon illustration. And so he preached. God told him to take off his sackcloth and take off his sandals. And so, and then he preached for three years that way. Um, and like I said, it was a sermon illustration. So you got to read that if you want to know about that. And so Scripture has all kinds of things. And so don't just... And we mentioned when we started this chapter that Isaiah is both familiar and unfamiliar. Parts of it are familiar because we read certain chapters, like chapter 6, and we have certain verses that are very comforting, rightly so. But then we ignore the rest of the book. And so you need to read the whole book. Um, the lesson plan, you know, it only goes through certain parts. And we can't cover the whole book that way. But you can cover the whole book. So let's continue. So the lesson starts in chapter 23. And the lesson starts in verse 8, which is in the middle of this prophecy. 23.1 says this, A pronouncement concerning Tyre. Wail ships of Tarshish, for your heaven, haven has been destroyed. Word has reached them from the land of Cyprus. And so... This is a prophecy against Tyre and Sidon. And many of the prophets in the Old Testament, they prophesize not only about Israel and Judah, but they prophesize around, about the nations around them. Sometimes it was, you'd see them prophesize about the other nations, and then at the very end they go, and then Israel and Judah. And so it's like he's getting the crowd riled up. Hey, about those guys over there. Yeah, they're, they're gonna, God's going to punish them. And God's going to punish that country over there. And God's going to punish those bad guys over there. Oh, by the way, God's going to punish you too because you also are sinning. And so get everybody pulled in. And then, oh yeah, it's about you too. You need God too. And so th this prophecy is about specifically Tyre and Sidon. There are two cities on the shore of the Mediterranean in what would be what we in the area we call present-day Lebanon, just north of Israel, they don't exist anymore. They were completely and utterly destroyed by Alexander the Great about three or four hundred years after this prophecy was made. 
And so they were, and it was the home of the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians were capitalists. They were traders. They had a navy. They did not have armies. Their navy was a merchant marine. They didn't have battleships of the day. They, they were traders. They, they, were, um, they were the Amazon and the UPS and FedEx all rolled up into one of the day. If you wanted goods and services from other parts of the world, you traded with the Phoenicians. And they traded in the entire Middle East or the entire Mediterranean area. So their ships, while they were you know, the headquartered in, in Tyre and Sidon, they, you know, they went to Israel, to Egypt, to Greece, to Cyprus, to Rome, and as far east as Tarshish, which is on the eastern or on the western side of the Mediterranean, probably in present-day Spain. And so they probably went all along the North African coast. And so they were the traders in, in, um, of the day, and they were very influential. I've seen a chart where it talks about how the Phoenician language um, was probably a seed for Arabic and Hebrew and for Greek and for and, and Latin, maybe not Latin, but all those other languages in the area. And so they were influential people, and this was a pronouncement against them. Why? Because they were capitalists? No, because they were not following God. They were the headquarters of, of, of the worship for Baal, which many of the Canaanites, all nations all around Israel, followed. The Philistines and all of them, all the religions of there, they were, were influenced by the Phoenicians, who were headquartered in Tyre and Sidon. And Tarshish apparently was a part of their empire, and it was like the farthest west, so it was... So it was a, Saying that, you know, in Cyprus, it was about halfway in between, roughly. And so it's talking about the entire realm of the Phoenicians. And all of it's going to be affected. And so this whole chapter, chapter 23, is about the Phoenicians. And although it never uses the word Phoenicians, but it talks about Tyre and Sidon. And so we, we file down into verse 8, which is where the lesson starts. So Isaiah chapter 23, verse 8. Who planned this against Tyre? The bestower of crowns, who trade, whose traders are princes, whose merchants are the honored ones of the earth. And so verse 8 is a question. Who planned this? Who is planning this destruction of Tyre and Sidon? These two sister cities. This says the bestower of crowns, the traders whose traders are princes. And so, like I said, you know, they didn't have an army like the Greeks did later, like the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Romans. They conquered, and they, and it, you know, bestower of crowns. Who, who, who crowned the, the rulers? Well, those, those military empires, they did by force. They came in and, like, do what we say or we chop off your head. You know, not a lot of options. But Tyre and Sidon didn't have those armies. How did they bestow people who to crowns? Well, they bought it. You know, the people wanted it. It's like the people wanted the good graces of the Phoenicians. So if their leaders 
weren't in good gracious with the Phoenicians, and they were mad at their leaders. But then any wealthy person, you know, you know, you know, money, money talks. These guys had money. And so they could buy crowns. They could buy influence. And so, it, you know, they mattered. You know, in America, we don't have royalty. We don't have princes. But we have people we treat like royalty and treat like princes. Why? Based on money. You ever hear of Bill Gates? Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, times past, you had the Rockefellers and others. And so, you know, money talks. Um, but who's planning this against them? They, they, they're the ones that set crowns up, but they're going to be destroyed. By whom? Who's planning this? Because they're not planning their own destruction. Who is planning the destruction of these people? These people that are considered princes because of their wealth. We see that in verse nine and ten. Verse nine: The Lord of Armies planned it to desecrate all its glorious beauty, to disgrace all the honored ones of earth. Overflow your land like the Nile, daughter of Tarshish. There is no longer anything to restrain you. So who's planning this? The Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts, the Lord most powerful, the Lord almighty, depending on your translation, the one that is in control of the whole world. He's going to desecrate the glorious one, the glorious beauty. He's going to disgrace those who were honored. Why? Because he doesn't like they're they're too powerful? No. It's because of their heart. Their heart was not following God. The heart was following their own gods. Baal and others. Their heart was more about money and power than it was about worshiping the creator of the world. And so their judgment was coming. And then you get to verse 10. And verse 10 if you have different translations or if you look up different translations, you will see very different wording there depending on the translation. Why? Verse 9, you'll pretty much all agree. But verse 10, there's going to be a lot of differences. Why? Because we don't know how to translate it. It's probably an idiom. You know, we have idioms in English. And when you got somebody come from another country and you they ask about this idiom, it's like, we don't... I, it's, it's hard to explain. It's hard to translate. Um, overflow your land like the Nile. Um, you know, you know, fl- you know, floodwaters, you know, they come over and, and, and envelop everything. But the floodwaters in the Nile also were a good thing. Um, and so we're not, you're not really sure how to take that and what it really means. Uh, but it's probably an idiom. And it says, daughter of Tarshish. Well, we understand. That's the people who live in the city of Tarshish. There is no longer any anything to restrain you. And that one, that half the, of the phrase, you know, a little bit better. Restraint could also mean harbor. It could also, it could also be translated, there is, nothing, there is no place, no safe harbor for you anymore. 
There is no place that you can go that is safe. Your safe havens are gone. And so these phrases here are, are hard to understand. And so that's where you read things like lesson plans. That's why you look at that's why I, you know, look at different translations. So I don't know Greek or Hebrew. Okay. Have have different translations out. Look at the way the different translations. How does the, the Christian Standard Bible differ from the King James, different from the New American Standard, from the Revised Standard, from the English Standard Version? On and on. And, and you know, that sometimes and if they disagree a lot. That means they don't know how to, we don't know how to translate it well in from Hebrew to English or Greek to English, whatever the, which if you're in the New World Testament. Either way, destruction is still coming. Like a flood, there is no safe harbor. The restraint of the nations that kept them safe is gone. That, that restraint that's out there that kept them safe is gone, and so they're, they're no longer safe. There is no safe place to go. So Hebrews chapter 23, verses 11 and 12. He stretched out his hand over the sea. He made kingdoms tremble. The Lord has commanded that the Canaanite fortresses be destroyed. He said, you will not celebrate anymore. Ravish young women, daughter of Sidon. Get up, cross over to Cyprus. Even there, you will have no rest. So in the ancient worlds, they had a pantheon of gods. The Greeks had a pantheon of gods, and one of them was Poseidon, the ruler of the seas. Well, the God of Israel, the creator of the universe, doesn't need a pantheon of gods. He is the ruler of the sea, just as much as he is the ruler of Israel, just as much as he is the ruler of your heart. And so he could stretch out his hand over the sea because that is his too. He didn't need a helper. He doesn't need to split up his realm. He controls it all. He's the controller. And he is the controller of all the kingdoms, not just Israel and Judah, all the kingdoms. He makes the kingdoms tremble, all of them. The Phoenicians, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Philistines. All of them tremble at his hand when judgment is against them. And that's what he's saying. This judgment is against Tyre and Sidon and the the Phoenician world. Not sure why they never used the word Phoenicians in Scripture. Maybe that wasn't a phrase they called themselves. I don't know. But they're never specifically named. But we get their realm, Tyre, Sidon. Here we got, um, my mind is right here. Um, Cyprus, okay, Tarshish, all the you know different cities of their realm, but they don't use the word Phoenicians. But they, but it's by we know who they're talking about. And so he stretched out his hand. The Lord has commanded that the Canaanite fortresses be destroyed. Canaan, Canaan was a land not, not just Israel, but some the surrounding area too was all considered Canaan. And so they're going to be destroyed. And Tyre, Sidon, fall into that realm. The Philistines fall into that realm. And then, you know, your women are not safe. And even though they go to Cyprus to get away from the, the, the destruction at Tyre and Sidon, they're not going to get any rest there either. They're not going to be safe. Even if they go to another place, that's, 
God's realm and God's judgment is bigger than this world. There is no safe haven when God is looking for you. And how big is God? So Tyre and Sidon, you know, the Canaanites, that's close to Israel. And most people in that time of the world thought gods were regional. So Yahweh, the God of Israel, was strong where Israel was, at Jerusalem. But the farther you get away from Jerusalem, well, then the weaker he is. Well, you know, Tyre and Sidon are just north of Israel. And during the time of King Solomon, that was part of Israel's reign or kingdom. Verses 13 and 14. Look at the land of the Chaldeans, a people who no longer exist. Assyria destined it for desert creatures. They set up their siege towers and stripped its palaces. They made it a ruin. Wail, ships of Tarshish, because your fortress is destroyed. So now he's talking about Assyria and, and the Chaldeans, which is Babylon, which are farther away from Israel. And at this time, the Assyrians had destroyed the, the Chaldeans and their city. Now in the future, the Chaldeans would rebuild and, and, and they conquered Assyria. They came back a few hundred years later and, and conquered Assyria. But at this time, Assyrians were the powerful nation. And God pronounced it and says, that was part of my doing. They did it. And so, Tarshish, you're even farther away than Assyria and Babylon, but you are going to wail too over this destruction of Tyre and Sidon, of your capital city. Verse 15, on that day, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, the lifespan of one king. At the end of 70 years, what, song, what the song says about the prostitute will happen to Tyre. Verse 16, pick up your lyre, stroll through the city, you forgotten prostitute, play skillfully and sing many a song so that you will be remembered. So it says that for a time, Tyre and Sidon are going to be destroyed. And we know this is not the end of Tyre and Sidon at the time Isaiah is preaching. They are once and for all destroyed. You know, this is roughly, when this was written down, was roughly 700 B.C. Tyre and Sidon are not destroyed until 332 B.C.-ish by Alexander the Greek, Alexander the Great, who is a Greek. And so this was a temporary destruction because Assyria wanted their wealth. But they wanted the wealth to keep continuing so they didn't completely destroy them. So they were down for a time. Here it says 70 years. And phrases like that in Scripture, sometimes that's a hard number. Sometimes it's more of a, a round number. It's like 70-ish. It's hard to tell sometimes. Sometimes it's just like an age, a prophetic age type of thing. But it doesn't matter. God's predicting that they're going to get destroyed, and they did. They were brought down low for a time. And the only people that are going to remember it are the old people. And so, you know, it's like the good old days. Hey, you remember the good old days when Phoenicia was a powerful nation and we got all, all the stuff that we wanted? And, the, you know, the good old days, you know, it's like, you know, the baby boomers, you know, say, like, okay, boomer, because, you know, baby boomers remember the good old days of the 50s. And so 
the only ones that are going to remember are the old ones. And here it's going to be like an old prostitute. Yay. That they sing about the good old days, walking through the streets and sing songs about the good old days. And that's the only thing that they're going to remember about them. And, and, and so the, the young people are going to be, what's so big a deal about this city? It's, they're nothing. Well, the old ones will remember. And they'll sing songs about it. And then we get to verses 17 and 18, the last two verses of this chapter. At the end of 70 years, the Lord will restore Tyre, and she will go back into the business prostituting herself with all the kingdoms of the world throughout the earth. But her profits and wages will be dedicated to the Lord. They will not be stored or saved, but her profits will go to those who live in the Lord's presence to provide them with ample food and sacred clothing. We were confused about these two verses, about this prophecy. So it says that they're going to, they're going to be reinstituted. They're going to become a power again. And God calls their business prostitution. Now, being a pagan city, yeah, there was prostitution going on. But he's saying their business, because it's not dedicated to God, because it's not serving him, is he, it might as well be prostitution. Other places in Scripture, the sin of Israel is called adultery because they are not dedicated to the God, the one that saved them. Like a wife should be dedicated to a husband. And so he calls them adulterers. Even though they may or may not, each and every person, be specifically committing the sin of adultery, he's saying their sin is like adultery. And so he's saying here their sin is like prostitution. So it's not that capitalism or making money in itself is bad, but why are you doing it? Why are you making money? What is the purpose of it? Are you doing it for God? Are you just doing it for yourself? Why do you have a retirement plan? Is it for God or is it for yourself? And so that's the question he has for them. It's like they are not doing it for God. But it says, but their prophets are going to go to Israel. And this is this is really the confusion. This is the it's like, really? When did this ever happen? We have no record of it in history. Now Possibly for a short time, Israel was a, a, a um, ally with Assyria. Judah was an ally with, Is, with, with Assyria for a very short time. And maybe they got some of the kickback as a vassal state. Probably not. So that doesn't seem right. This might be some future prophecy that has yet to happen. We don't know. Or maybe there was some point in time in history that this happened, but it's not recorded, and we don't know about it. Or it's recorded, and we haven't found the records yet. We don't know. But it's prophesied that this will happen. Now, from our point of view, has it already happened, or is it still in the future? I don't know. I can't answer that question. And, and nobody else can either. So... Um, this is a you know this is a book on prophecies and prophecies you know sometimes are symbolic sometimes they're literal and they go back and forth and as you read through this Isaiah uses a lot of humor through his prophecies 
And so here, you know, part of his humor is, you know, is making everything about Tyre and Sidon is, is that they're just prostitutes. And it probably was that they probably had a, a, a fair number of prostitutes in the city. If you wanted prostitution, you went there. And so he took that and just blew it up and, and said it, it's all about prostitution, as, as just as a symbolic thing. And so as you read through Isaiah, think about the destruction that comes to the, the nations that are coming. So as you read through that, you'll see this, you know, prophecies about other nations. But you see also prophecies uh, for Judah and for Israel. And even this prophecies for Tyre, here it, it, there's a piece of hope. They're going to be restored. So even God gives hope to all, not just the ones who follow him, but to all who choose to follow him. You still have a chance. As you know, the veggie tale says, you know, God of second chances. God will forgive you. If you turn your heart to him, he will forgive you. You confess your sins. You're on the path to sanctification. And God has done this for you. God is a just judge. He has to punish sin. He is a holy God. But because of Jesus Christ, your sins are paid for. But you've got to follow him. So I'll believe in God. Well, you know, Satan believes in God. Satan believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Is he saved? No. So you must follow God because the judgment will happen. Maybe not the way it's described here in Isaiah chapter 23, but it will happen. It happens at, at your death. You will be judged. There's all kinds of places in Scripture where it's going to talk about all of our judgment. This judgment at this time was against the nations, the city-state of Tyre and Sidon, the Phoenicians, because they were not following God. And God has not changed. We need to follow Him. So let's close in a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for the scripture that you provide. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. You are mighty, Lord. We just pray this in your holy and precious name. Amen. So thank you this morning. And I didn't look at the comments earlier. I see Judy's there, Shirley, Cindy. Um, let's see. Craig says good morning. Thank you, Craig. Linda. Um, let's see. Darren. So thank you all for watching and thank you all for listening. Once again, I'm Pastor Nelson Nisley. I'm at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. If you want to find out more about us, check out our website at towerviewkc.com, our Facebook page, Tower View Baptist Church. You can call the church. You can call or text our, 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 our church line, 816-368-1330. That's pinned in the comments there. You can see that. And so I thank you for watching and listening this morning as we went through chapter 23 of the book of Isaiah. Um, continue read through Isaiah each and every, every week. Next week we're going to be in chapter 25. So there's, a, um, so, um, there's not too many, much uh, space between those two chapters. So thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. God bless. If this has been a blessing to you, uh, you know, click the like button or the heart button, or whichever ones you want. Um, you, know, you know, describe it. And if it's been helpful to you, you know, share it with, on, your, on your Facebook page. Share it with others so others can see it.
So have a great day. Have a blessed day. Hope to see you this morning. Church is at 1030 this morning. If you're watching live, we're going to set up, if, if the rain holds off, we'll set the speakers off up outside. And um, But the radio station will be working on 90.7 and to listen, and everything will be on online also. So thank you. Have a wonderful day. God bless. God bless, and have a great day.